do here and there in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter number 3. We'll also read from Judges, probably two passages that may seem a little different to read together. But Hebrews 3 says this, for every, Hebrews 3 verse number 4. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And then if you had uh, a marker in your Bible and you want to go backwards a little bit, go to the book of Judges. And I want to read a couple, three verses from the book of Judges chapter number 6. It will be on the screen for you as well. Judges chapter number 6. Verse 25, 26, and 27. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock and the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood off the image that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants, and did as the Lord had said to him. But because of he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning. We have some core values at New Life. We believe in sharing the hope of the gospel. We believe in growing disciples. And then we believe in strengthening families. So that third component is what I'm going to preach to you this morning about for a few minutes. And I'd like to talk to you on the subject of there's no place like home. There's no place like home. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word and your worship today. It is what I just read to you is an iconic line from an iconic movie. You probably recognize it, at least some in the room recognize it immediately when I said it, and you, you probably see the title on the screen behind me. The line is spoken by Dorothy, who was played by Judy Garland in the film The Wizard of Oz, directed by Victor Fleming, 1939. I will not ask about that year. We'll just move on. At the end of The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy has defeated the Wicked Witch of the West and revealed the true nature of Oz, and now she's ready to go back home. So do you have the picture from that that's up on the screen? So there is someone that gives her the instructions, and she takes as the iconic image that you see on the screen. She takes those. How many of you have seen that before? You've seen that picture or that image before? She's supposed to take, think to herself, click her heels together and say, there's no place like home. Well, Dorothy must have missed the part where you're supposed to think it to yourself because she says it out loud over and over again. And in this story, after she endures all that she endures, experiences all she experiences and overcomes all she experiences, there's one thing on her mind. She wishes to go back home where she's from. She wants to go back to her normal, her routine. She wants to go back to her familiar. She wants to go back to her refuge. And so the phrase, that line that was scripted into this movie, that line that came many years before that, but now we know it and it echoes, still rings in our ears today. We can hear that phrase, there's no place like home. Now here's what I'd like you to do this morning. I'd like you to take a second. Let's do an exercise together. I'd like for you, as you sit there, if you're comfortable, close your eyes. Put yourself in your home. Whatever that looks like. Close your eyes. Take yourself right. Don't fall asleep on me. Some of y'all are sitting in a recliner right now, and you're dozing. Take yourself to that place in your home that you would be sitting in, standing in, laying in, whatever. Take yourself to your home. Okay, open your eyes. I don't want you to fall asleep. I got more. Come back. I want to ask you today, as we begin this message, what is home to you? Where did you just go in your mind 
for about the last 20 seconds. Where did you go? Where was that? For some, do you have a picture up on the screen? For some, a home looks like this. Um, that's not what my home looks like. Some people, there are people in the world that call that home. Go to the next picture. And then, there are some people. <laughs> I really, when I looked that up, did not expect that reaction. You know, you play this over in your mind, and I'm, that was not what I was thinking would happen. For some people, that's what home is. That looks like home. So I'm not talking today, I'm not preaching to you about your house. I'm not talking about the square footage of your house, how your kitchen is laid out. I'm not talking about what your bedroom looks like, what your style of your home is, where it is. None of that is relevant to today. What I'm discussing is your home. Home is where we go back to. Home is our safe, secure place. It's not perfect, but ladies and gentlemen, home is your private world. That's home. Home is comfortable. It's familiar. It's the private. It's near our family. It's the routine. When I speak of home today, and I tell you there's no place that's like your home, what I'm speaking to you of is talking about the culture of the place you go back to from here. When you get out of your, out of your seat and we pray and you go back in your car and you go out to eat or you go home and whatever's in your crock pot, you eat that. When you go back to that, what's that like? What's it like there? What's home like? What's the environment like? What is it like when nobody else is around? What's it like when the door is closed? What's it like when the lights are off? What's it like? And I'll go there for a second. What's it like when it's just you and a screen? What's it like when it's you by yourself? What's it like when it's you and your spouse? What's it like when it's you at home and you're with your kids? What's that like? Now, I know I'm getting in your business because this has been in my business all week. What's it like in your home? What do your kids see? What does your spouse see? What do you think about yourself when nobody else is around? What's it like to be you when the nice clothes are not on? And the worship music isn't sounding as great as it did this morning. And it's a Tuesday and things haven't looked the best. What's it like for you and what's it like where you go? Home, ladies and gentlemen, is what you really are. Home is it's who you really are. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you can be around somebody, you can be with somebody, and when, when you see them from a distance and you know them from a distance, you think one thing about them. And then when you get close to them, you think a different thing. Okay, maybe that's just me. Forgive me, Lord. Have you ever had that experience where the closer you got to something, you realize that's not, there was one way that I thought that they were, but when the closer I got to them, I realized that's not the way that they are. So let me speak to that person. I want who I am to be consistent. I want what defines me to be faithfulness. I want what I am here to be what I am there and what I am there to be what I am here. I want to be faithful to the things of God. I want to be right even when I'm at home and nobody else is around and there's nothing else to pick me up or there's nothing else to help me. I want to be the same person there that I am right here and right now in this moment. Home is who you really are. Home is what you're going to become. Home, ladies and gentlemen, home is the starting place for real change. That is really good. If you really want to change, it starts at home. 
If you really want to be a different person, it starts tomorrow morning when you put your feet on your floor and you decide what you're going to do that day at that time right then. If you really want change to come in your life, in your family, in the culture of your home, in the culture of the environment you're in, it starts at home. It starts there. It starts when you decide, I want this to change. So Judges chapter number 6 which may feel like a little bit of a, a unique verse to read from to talk about home, but I feel like the Lord's kind of directed me to share some things this morning on that topic. If you open up your Bible to Judges chapter 6 and you go to the very first verse, you see the continuation of a cycle with Israel. They have for the fourth time done evil in the sight of the Lord after God's given them commandments and set judges over them. And for the fourth time, they have fallen back into lifestyles, choices, ways, and decisions that do not please God. They've fallen back into idolatry. The Bible says that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And what it says next is so telling, and it's still true today. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, that is not popular 2022 preaching that is not popular theology today, but let me warn you and tell you on the onset of this. When you choose your life, when you choose decisions and make choices, and you go away from the things of God, there is a separation that comes between you and God. There is a consequence for sin. There always has been and there always will be. There is a consequence for taking your life in a different way than what the Lord has set out and the way of his word. There is a consequence for that. So the children of Israel go this other way. They have done evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivers them the hand of the Midianites. And what would happen is that the Midianites were so powerful and so fierce that the children of Israel would hide themselves in caves and clefts of rock and get away to hide from this enemy that's coming against them. So they hid themselves. They were scared. And the Bible says this about the Midianites. They were so strong and there were so many of them. The Bible says they're like locusts that devour their crops. They came and what would happen is the children of Israel would go and they would sow seed to get crops, sow seed so that they could reap a harvest to eat something. And in the middle of that, the Midianites would encamp and show up and take away their harvest. Rip out their food, take away. And the Bible says Israel at this point is greatly impoverished. And it's because they have turned themselves away from the ways of the Lord. They are not worshiping God. They are worshiping idols. They are worshiping, worshiping pagan things. They have turned away from God. And so because of that, they've been delivered into the hand of an enemy. This enemy's come, this enemy's wreaking havoc, and now they're impoverished. Well, though, the first thing that happens is, if you read this and you look closely at the first few verses, the Bible says that the Lord sent a prophet first. Before God ever talked to Gideon, he sent a prophet. He sent a man of God to come stand before the people and say, this is what you're doing, this is what's happened, and this is why this is happening. So the voice of the prophet came and spoke very clear and very direct. I'm going to take a pause in this because I felt this yesterday. I was praying about this moment. We cannot despise the voice of the prophet. There will be voices that stand in this pulpit and they will declare this word to us. They will speak things to us to correct us, to change some things, to open our eyes and give us perspective. And we cannot despise that. We cannot listen to that. We, we, we can't avoid listening to that. We can't make ourselves in a place to not hear what the word of the Lord says. So the children of Israel didn't exactly hear the prophet. So what he does, and you read this in verse number 11. And there came an angel of the Lord to set under an oak tree, which was Ophrah, and that pertained to Joash the Abizurite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide the Midianites. Now I've heard this and I've preached this story as some of you may have heard or may have, may have been in a service where somebody preached this and you talk about how scared and fearful Gideon is 
and how fearful Gideon was that he would hide himself in a wine press and try to thresh wheat hidden down in a hole so that nobody could see him. And I've preached that before. I've taken that stance before and said, well, well, it's because he's so engulfed in fear and you read the rest of the story and you see that. But let me, let me just give you some perspective for a moment. To tr the threshing part of wheat was this stomping and working so that you could dry, that the wind would come and blow away the chaff and you would have the right amount of, of, of wheat and grain that you could do something with. So in order for those elements to be working together, you have to be in the right place. You have to be high on a mountain. You have to be where the wind can blow and blow away the chaff. You have to be positioned in the right place. And listen, here is Gideon trying to do something that is absolutely impossible. He, there's no wind blowing through this tiny little hole that he's standing in pressing wine press. There's no, there's no way the chaff can be blown. And here he is in a hole trying to do something. And for, for a long time, I've preached that Gideon's fearful and afraid. And, he want, and maybe there's an element to that. But hear me, at least he's doing something. At least there's something in him saying, I, I cannot stand the way I see my people right now. I can't take what's happening to my nation. And so I've got to do something with what I have. You want to know why I think it feels that way? Because the angel shows up and appears to him and says, The Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. So I preach to you today. I start by saying this. If you want God to show his faithfulness, then you have to show your faithfulness. There's got to be an element inside of you to be faithful even when it seems impossible. To be faithful even when it's not adding up. To be faithful even when it doesn't make sense. But be faithful because there is a cause and a purpose for that which to be faithful. Stay faithful because God is with you. Stay faithful. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Then Gideon said unto him, my Lord... If you be with us, why has all this befallen us? And where be all the miracles of our fathers have told us? Verse 13. And, he, and did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Now, I, don't, I, I, I wanted to pause here too and say, Gideon's right. All this has happened to us. Why have we gotten here? And Gideon is honest before God. Can I tell you something this morning? You've heard it from this pulpit before. God is not scared of your honesty. In fact, many times God will answer to somebody who is honest and open and bringing their real life cares to him. Sometimes those prayers of vain repetition don't seem like they go anywhere. But sometimes those people that stand up and bring their real need and their real life and their real struggle before God. And God seems to move and work on that life because God wants your honesty. He's not scared. You don't think that he knows where you are? You don't think he sees the big picture? You don't think he understands the dynamics that are at play? And he's with you. He's with you. So Gideon, Gideon says, well, I need, I need help. I need, to, I need confirmation that this is real. And so he asked, him to, he asked the angel to stay right there, and he goes and prepares, he prepares a large meal, in other words. He prepares a meal before him, and he comes back, and the angel touches it with his staff, and the meal, the, the meal is consumed by flames. And Gideon knows at that point, he knows at that point that God is with him, and God has called him. I'm so thankful that God still calls people. I'm so thankful. I don't know about you. I'm so thankful for what God's doing at New Life. I really am. I'm so thankful for what God's doing at New Life. It feels like we've turned a corner. It feels like God is starting to pour out his spirit and work and bless. He's calling people to new places. He's working in the hearts of families. He's bringing people in. I believe that we're going to have a growing, thriving Spanish ministry in this church. You can feel it. You can sense it. The call of God is going out from here and is bringing in souls and people. Can you feel it? Can you feel the call of God working? 
Come on, Cabot may have been ran over by the Midianites for years and it may be impoverished spiritually, but there's a call going out to some Gideons that are at New Life where God is trying to reach in and raise up and send. I believe it. I'm so thankful for the call. I'm so thankful for how his spirit is reaching and working because he's doing it and he's doing it now. But there's an element to this story that it's jumped out to me and I wanted to deliver it here this morning because I am thankful. I am thankful for what God is doing and how God is speaking. But I have to keep reading the story to figure out what happens. Have you ever asked yourself the question, well, what's next? Anybody ever asked that? Have you ever asked yourself the question, well, what happens after this or what happens after that? What happens next? Verse 25. And it says this, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of the seven years old, and throw it down by the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the rock in the ordered place. Take the second bullock, offer a burnt sacrifice in the wood of the grove that thou shalt cut down. Now, I know that's a lot of King James. But here's exactly what happened. Gideon, I've called you. Gideon, I've even confirmed the call that I have on you. I've shown you that I'm with you. So you know what the very next thing that needs to happen? I need you to go home. I need you to go back to your father's house. And I need you to get that in order. Before I ever put you on a field to defeat the Midians, before I ever put you in a place of public victory, I want you to go home and get your private world in order. I want you to go home and your father's house, which is full of idolatry and full of wickedness, I want to take you from right here in this calling moment and I want to send you back home to consecration. Before you ever stand on that battlefield and crush those pots and that lamp lights up and we yell the sword of the Lord and Gideon and we charge and take over that with 300 men. Before that moment ever comes, your father's house is first priority. So this morning, I tell you this. The first place the Lord sent him was home. And our first priority has got to be our home. I want to take your eyes off of the bald preacher for a second. And I want to turn your attention to your house, to your home, to what you do every day of the week, to what you do in the morning time or how you tuck your kids in or maybe the amount of time you're spending at work or maybe the amount of time you're spending on social media or maybe the amount of time that you're doing talking about this or watching this or consume with this and turn your life to back to home. Because listen, there's no place like our home. That's really good preaching. That was, a, that was a Brother Gaddy thing right there. I just did that. It was a mimic. That really is good preaching. Because I don't, I, I, you, you and I both know this. You can come to church. You can worship all you want. You can, you can, you can get a blessing, take a great note down in the sermon. You can cry a tear and then go back home and fall under the same trap. And go back home and need to come back to get refilled on Sunday. Now, I'm not preaching against that and I'm not against coming and getting recharged or energized. I think that's part of the church. But I also believe there is so much great potential that Sundays could be a reaping for everything that happens, all the sowing throughout the week. I believe it with all of me. And if we will take the time to make our homes and the culture of our home and the music we play and the time we spend and the emotions we spend and how we invest, if we will put a priority on that and say, this is part of my relationship with God, what happens in this place? If we will make it a priority, because God sent Gideon back and said, I've got to start your commitment. I've got to start your ministry, I've got to start your purpose, I've got to start it here. I've got to put you in this place first 
Before Gideon could make war with Midian, he had to make peace with God at home. So what he does is he goes home. The Bible says he goes home and he takes the altar that was made for Baal and the altar that was made of wood and he tears those down. The Bible says in verse number 25 that he took this, the bull and the altar and, 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 and he took the altar the father had and cut down the grove. But I want you to look in your Bible at verse number 26. So not only, not only did Gideon tear down one altar, but the very first part of verse 26 is, and build an altar to the Lord. Listen, if you don't hear anything I say, if you don't remember any point, I'm going to make a point that I think in this, in living for God and what you go home to, I think this is the most important thing I'll say probably all day. And I want you to hear, and this is just teaching, this is just impractical putting into your spirit. I hope you hear exactly what I'm about to say. When you go home, whatever it is that you decide to remove, you need to replace it. Now, that may sound simple enough, but if I walked outside right now over to that grass and I dug a hole in the ground and said, this is my hole, those weeds had to go, and then I walked away and left that hole, you know what's going to happen? It's going to get filled back up. Something else is going to fill it up. You can say, oh, I'll make room for giving and I'm going to remove this out of my life so I can be a better giver, but if you never give and you just made that room, that money is going to get eaten up somewhere else. If you say, I'm going to get off social media and I'm not going to watch these things or partake in these things, and you don't intentionally replace what you just removed, something else is going to fill that time slot. So he looks at Gideon and he says, not only do I want you to tear down one altar, but in its place, I want you to build up the right altar. I want you to build up the right worship. I want you to replace the very thing you removed. Now, let me give you a New Testament example. The book of Colossians, verse number three. Chapter number three, excuse me. Book of Colossians, chapter number three. Let me show you this in the New Testament. Colossians 3, verse 5, we'll read a little bit. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil compunctions, covetousness, it, that which is idolatry, for which things the sake of the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which ye also walked some time when you lived in them. But now, watch this, verse 8. But now ye also put off these things. Do you see that? You see those words? He said, put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, put that off. Seeing that you have put off the old man in his deeds and put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of God, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Did you see that verse earlier? It said, put off. Now watch what the very next verse says, put on. Because you can't just put off something without putting something else back in its place. So put off these ways, put off these attitudes, put off these mindsets and this way of living. Put that off and in its place, put on, therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man hath quarreled against him, even as Christ forgave you, also do thee. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which you're also called into one body, and be thankful. When you decide to go home and to put off these things, there's also some things you need to put in its place so that you can grow. I saw a post this week. I thought it was so good, and it's so 2022, but it just fits right now. You know, there are some things you can replace Netflix with. Ooh. Not much support. There are some things you can replace Facebook with. There are some things you can replace YouTube with. There are some things, and I'm going to stay here for a minute because I feel it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, to insert anything. I'm just I'm speaking. This is for everybody. This is for me too. 
Not just you, this is for me too, this is for everybody. There are some better ways we can invest our time. There are some media content that we can consume that actually grows us and helps us and builds our faith and lets us lead us to prayer and less to repentance. There are some things we can replace that will actually take us to the place that we need to go. I, I've preached this, I, I preach this to students a lot, but, but I, when, when Solomon comes in and he shows the Babylonians, he shows the Babylonians all the goods of his house. And he shows the Babylonians all the riches and the precious things and everything that's in his house. He shows them all these great things that God has blessed him with and done. And it's in the book of 2 Chronicles. And he, and he shows him all these great, wonderful things. Babylon didn't want his stuff. Because if you look a couple verses later, what happens is their sons and daughters became Enoch's and slaves in Babylon. And while he's sitting there showing him all of these precious things that he has, all of these things that he calls precious, he's missed the most precious thing he has. That's his children. Because Babylon didn't want his stuff, it wanted his kids. And we can't be surprised by feeding Babylonian meal and getting Babylonian stuff that our kids end up like Babylonians. We can't be surprised by that. But we've got to make a conscious choice. These are things I don't allow in my home. These are things I don't allow in our kitchen, in our living room, in our bedrooms. These are things we don't allow in our home. These are the things we do allow in our home. These are the things we get to do. These are the things that can help us can grow us. These are the things that we need. So he does this. He said the Bible says that he tears down these altars and he tears down these things and he builds up an altar to the Lord. But here's what the Bible says that it happens in verse number 30 of Judges chapter number 6. Then the men of the city said unto Joe, well, excuse me, let me go back. Then Gideon took, verse number 27, then Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household. And the men of the city, he could not do it by day, but did it by night. So he took, decided, I'm going to do this. But listen, the, the idea of going back to my father's house and tearing down this altar and chopping down this wood, that idea is very daunting to me. So you know what I need? I need support. I need some people. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us if these people ever bowed their knee to Baal or not. I don't know that. But the fact that they are willing to step up with Gideon and correct that which is wrong tells me these are the right type of people I want to surround myself with. So you hear me today. The change we need in our home requires godly support. The change we need in our home requires the right voices to be added in, the right people sitting at our table, the right people that we listen to and adhere to. It requires support. You want, want just a, here's a new life promo for a second. One of the things I love about this church, one of the things, one of the many things that I love about this church is that if you really want to be discipled, you have every opportunity to be discipled. You do. Wednesday night, if you come here on Wednesday night, there's a group of people that gather in this sanctuary and we're teaching and talking about the subject of prayer. And if you want prayer to increase in your life, be here on a midweek. Seven o'clock Wednesday night, there's a chance. Your kids will get fed over there. Your kids will get, will get the word of God put into them over there. Sunday morning at, at 930, there's four different options that you can choose to and come and grow. Whether you want to learn how to have a budget whether you want to learn the fruit of the Spirit, whether you want to learn about love and marriage or what it means to be overwhelmed and overcome being overwhelmed, there is an option for you to grow and be disciplined. There is a support system in place. Whether you want to go to celebrate recovery, whether you need students that need a, a student ministry that they can feel a part of, there's a support system in place. And hear me, the change required in a home needs godly support. You and I cannot do this thing by ourselves. 
You and I cannot raise a godly family and establish a godly home in the middle of Babylon. We can't do it alone. We can't do it on an island. We can't do it figuring our own way out of this. We need godly support. So he got 10 people and they threw down the altar. They corrected what was there. Now I want to, as I get ready to, to land this plane, I want to take you to another passage of scripture that I felt led. Turn with me in your Bible, Joshua chapter number 21. The children of Israel in the book of Joshua, they had now crossed over and enter into the promised land. They've crossed Jordan. They obeyed the unique commands to, to walk around Jericho and they overcame their failure at Ai. They, they made a treaty with the Gibeonites. They watched in the book of Joshua. They watched the sun stand still. They executed the kings of the Amorites. The Bible says, as you'll read with me here in a second, they've conquered everywhere from the east to the west to the north to the south. It's happened. They've conquered. They're victorious. Joshua 21, 43 through 45. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. Verse 44. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he swore unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. And the Lord delivered their enemies into their hands. And there failed not aught any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. Now those next four words are amazing. All came to pass. Hey, listen. Listen, that's so good. This is not even in my notes. It's free. You can have it free. If God's spoken it to you, here's proof in history that it's all come to pass before. Why, not, why can't it come to pass for you? If God's already said it. If God's already promised it. He already has precedent to say that all has come to pass. So whatever he's spoken, whatever he said, there's precedent for you to hold on. Everything you said, God's going to happen. Everything you promise will come to pass. All came to pass. What a powerful statement. Then let's turn the page and let's go to the next chapter. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He's calling the tribes that are going to go back over and go back to their home. And he said this unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded unto you and obeyed my voice that I've commanded you. Ye have not left your brother in these many days unto this, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now, now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised. Now you ready for this next part? You got victory. You've got everything that's promised. It's all happened for you. You've seen it happen. Now watch. Now return ye, get back to your tents. And unto the land of your possession. I want you, in other words, I want you to go back home. Now that you have all this, I want you to go back home. Go back to the place that's yours. Go back home. That's where I'm sending you. Promises have happened. Victories have come. Everything's been fulfilled. You know what's next? Go home. I'm going to send you back home. But I'm not just sending you back home inspired. I'm sending you back home also equipped. Because look at the very next verse, verse number five. But take diligent heed. Ladies and gentlemen, there is in the apostolic church many times, there is a lack or a difference or a chasm between inspiration and application. There is a chasm between there. We don't want it to be there, but sometimes there is. You get inspired on Sunday, and then we don't go home and live it out on Monday. You're inspired about what you heard. You're, you're moved about what happened in service, but we don't go home sometimes and live out what happened. So let me give you the answer. The bridge between inspiration and application is diligence. The bridge, how to cross that chasm is one word. Be diligent. Be diligent about it. And he didn't even leave it at that. If, if BJ, you could put that, that up on the screen. I'm going to read this. You don't have to put the verse up, put the bullet point list up. Here's what he said. To be diligent and take heed. 
to do the commandment and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, to cleave unto him, to serve him with all of your heart and soul. And the Bible says that was what they were given to take home. There is no greater instruction that I could give you today than what the word of the Lord says. When you get home on Monday, do his commandments. Amen, we can go home, everybody's dismissed. Love the Lord your God. There's a lot of things that want your love. There's a lot of things that want your affection. There's a lot of things that want your attention, want your time, want your emotional output. But here's what it says. Do the commandments and love the Lord your God. Your love for God can help you overcome many obstacles and many distractions. Your genuine devotion to God can help you cross that divide when you get home. Love the Lord your God. Walk in his ways. Take steps. You may not have the whole path in front of you, but take the steps to walk in his ways. Do those very things he's asked of you. Keep and preserve his commandments. Keep them. Hold them close. Preserve them. Listen, honey, we can't watch that because there's something in the word of God that teaches us that that's not good for us. So I decide that I'm going to preserve that in this family and I'm going to preserve that in my home. And I'm not going to let them cross the line and say, well, it's okay this time, but it may not be okay next time. No, it's going to be not okay right now and moving forward because I'm preserving this, what God has given me. You're going to go back home to your tents and be tempted to go do and look and act and go a certain way. Keep his commandments. Preserve and hold on to him. Cleave unto him. Look, there's going to be times you don't understand why life has dealt you the cards. But you can cleave to him. You can make the conscious the choice and decision. I don't know why I still have pain. And I don't know why this family member hasn't come back to God. And I don't know why this, but I'm not cleaving to despair and questions. I'm cleaving to God. I choose to hold to him when I don't know and I can't answer it. And it's a Tuesday and things, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. And it's a Tuesday and things haven't added up the right way. I choose to cleave unto him, to hold fast to his word, to keep his commandments, to love him with all of my heart, to serve him with all of my heart and all of my soul. Listen, the Bible, the Bible may not give you exact answers for every question you have in 2022. But it will give you the principles of the path to take. Hear me. You're going to ask questions that other generations haven't asked. You're going to deal with things that other generations haven't dealt with. You're going to battle through things that other generations only, they knew it was coming, but they never got to see with their own eyes, and you have to do it and listen, and you got to deal with it. And there may be some things that specifically you can't find word for word, line for line, exactly the answer to the question. But this book provides a path, the way of the Lord, that can open up the way to life and the way to hope and the way to purpose. It is the answer and the solution that we need, but we can't discard it every time it doesn't answer line for line or word for word. Or every time some philosopher or somebody on TV or somewhere other place has a fancier phrase or a better way to put it, if it contradicts this, it's not a way that leads to life. And we can't let it in our home. Diligence is the key that will unlock commitment in your homes. Diligence. I read it at the very beginning of this service. You can stand with the musicians. You can come. I read it at the very beginning of this service, and I don't, I'm not going to take a bunch of time on it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of study you can do on Hebrews chapter number 3. I just read it because it's simple. I just read it surface level, and I'll say it here this morning. For every house, it's builded by some man. Every house is built by somebody. Somebody's going to build your house. 
Somebody's going to go home and build the culture of your home. Somebody's going to go home and build your marriage. Somebody's going to go home and build that connection to your kids. Somebody's going to go home and build that. It might as well be you. And it might as well be established on something that's eternal and life-giving and purposeful. If someone's going to build a house, it might as well be us in Cabot. Because there's no place that's like our homes. There's no place like what we're about to go back to. This altar call here in a moment, I'm going to have you pray with your family. And if you don't have family here, I'm going to have you pray with a friend. But this altar call, this moment, like you have heard many times, it starts the moment that you step onto the pavement. We're going to pray and respond to the word here. We're going to let the Spirit of God draw up convictions and show us things that ought not to be in our homes, ought not to be in our routines, ought not to be in our interests. We're going to believe that. But then doing that is going to require some diligence when we leave. Because the bridge between inspiration and application is the diligence you decide to have tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It's your diligence. I won't be there. I, I probably won't be there tomorrow night. Pastor will not be there. That may seem creepy to have somebody standing over your bed while you have your phone open. Ain't, nobody's going to be there. It's just you. So you get to make that choice. Am I going to be diligent to preserve the very word and seed that God sowed in my life? Or am I going to cast it off the side and type in that website and go there? So I have, I hope that in, in any way that I presented this by my face or my words or the phrasing or whatever, I hope that I have not come across condescending or arrogant because I struggle with this too. I struggle in battle to be diligent and stay faithful. But here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost. The Spirit and the Word of God is right now reaching for just somebody to receive this and somebody to say, I know that's me, and I know there's changes. I know there's things that I've got to do differently at home. And I feel in my spirit right now, I feel it deep and heavy. I feel like there's, there's a wave just reaching for people. Whoever will respond to it, whoever will decide that, yes, that was for me. It wasn't just for a broad word, but it was for me. And I feel the Holy Ghost reaching right now, even right now, for somebody in this room to respond with a diligent heart. Here's what I, if your family's close, if, you're, if you're, you've got friends that are around you, why don't you link up with somebody right now? Let you, you don't have to come down to the front at this moment. But why don't you grab somebody around you right now and just begin to pray? Why don't you connect with somebody right now and just begin to lift your voice up and ask God to help you to see, to know, to respond, to act. Come on, lift your voices in the sanctuary today. Come on, that's it. Speak out. Intercede. Repent. Open up. Come on, if it's your kids, take a moment and lay your hands on your kids. Come on, if it's your children, take a moment. If it's your friend, Come on, that's it. Take a moment. This has got to find a landing place in my spirit. This has got to find a landing place in my heart. This has got to take priority in my life. Come on, strong homes build strong churches. Strong homes build strong faith and strong church services. Come on, that's it. Pray. Cry out to him for a moment.
Jesus' name. still feel a strong spirit of prayer. Why don't you you do this? Why don't you just go pray for somebody else for a moment? Why don't you just step out? If you need to leave, you are dismissed. There's no pressure or anything. I know there's some families that want to pray. Why don't you just go step over and pray with somebody for a moment? You may not know the battle they're dealing with at home. You may not know the fight that they have, but why don't we just take a moment, let the body minister to the body for a second. You can come to the front, you can step across the aisle, you can go pray over a couple, but why don't you just take a moment and go pray with somebody. Let the body minister for a second. Let the Spirit lead you to go pray over somebody. Maybe if you make eye contact with them, go pray for them right now. Let character be built, let discipline be built. Let burden and commitment be cultivated in someone's life. 